This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I, I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. So let's talk about Ryan Poles. He addressed the media on Wednesday. It was his annual preseason kind of state of affairs, and he talked about the roster upgrades, what he has done, what he still needs to do. A couple of things that took uh, takeaways for me, Dan, I thought it was interesting that he leaned into uh, offering and unsolicited the fact that there was no trade conversation (laughs) about Darnell Mooney. Um, Travis Gibson never did approach him about requesting a deal. And I felt like as after Mark Grody asked um, whether the Nate Davis absence was related to injury, Ryan Poles left that pretty vague. And I think he answered it without answering it, which means that it was not necessarily injury related. It was more than that, which leads you to wonder about, his attitude or commitment, which is going to be a moot point if he performs at a level that he's paid to perform. Um, And then the rest of it was, we'll get into what he had to say about Justin Fields, but I felt like Ryan Poles, without really trying to make, uh, he, he was transparent and he didn't seem like he had anything to hide. And if he didn't want to talk about something, he just didn't. So I think that was at least... Uh, we learned a lot, but there's still some things that we wonder about. Well, <laughs> on the topic of things we wonder about, I heard our guy Brad Biggs on with you and Molly on Thursday morning talking about the three great mysteries in Chicago sports. One being what the heck happened to Tevin Jenkins, two being what the heck's going on with Nate Davis, and three being what was the deal out at the, the White Sox game last Friday and, and, and how someone snuck a gun in their belly fat and shot themselves in the leg. So those are three great mysteries that allegedly. we have. <laughs> allegedly. Allegedly. Allegedly, allegedly, we don't we do not have enough time to go into each one of those mysteries. But as it relates to the Bears, like a month ago, we were talking about two starting guards in Jenkins and Davis being guys that you could could lean on and rely on, move Cody back to center, have this interior of an offensive line that would keep Justin safe and comfortable and confident inside the pocket. And now you take two starters, one now on injured reserve with a, a, a mysterious leg injury that we still have no idea when it happened, how it happened or what exactly happened. And the other guy in Nate. Davis, who we presume will play against the Packers in a week and a half, but is dealing with, quote, some other stuff and has been dealing with, quote, some other stuff. And so um, these layers of mystery are, are bizarre, uh, you know, at a minimum and, and concerning at, at a maximum because they, they, they leave you vulnerable uh, at a spot on your offense where you do not want to be vulnerable. And now you've got to compensate and, and move ahead, uh, understanding that those mysteries may not really be solved in the way you want them to be solved. Do you know, is Robert Stack around to give us a, an Unsolved Mysteries episode for this? I would like to know what Robert Stack would have to be able to find out about Tevin Jenkins' calves, <laughs> because how he goes from practicing against the Colts and feeling good about that to walking around with walking boots and limping and being out for up to six weeks is, is one of those mysteries we'll have to wait and see as it pertains to how Ryan Poles feels about Justin Fields. I think there's still some questions about that. I don't want to call it a full fledged mystery, but let's just say this. And this is the way I termed it when we talked to Brad Biggs and the way I felt like it, it, it came across to me there will be many people in town that exaggerate the potential and, and what Justin Fields is going to accomplish in year three as a starter. I hope they're all right. 
we all our lives would be easier if, if, if they were. But one of those people that's not going to exa- exaggerate Justin Fields' potential is his general manager. I did not hear that from Ryan Poles. I heard somebody pretty grounded in the expectations and pretty realistic about who Justin Fields is and what he isn't. Yeah, so we'll hear from him directly in a second. But one thing that happens out on the beat here is you're kind of monitoring the day-to-day affairs, and then oftentimes you're working ahead. Our guy Patrick Finley of the Chicago Sun-Times was working so far ahead that he wanted to get ready for the will Justin get a contract extension in 2024 story. And and as Ryan was talking about the state of the team on present day, on August 30th, 2023, he was asked, you know, what are you going to need to see uh, to give Justin an extension at some point. And, and so this is, was that exchange on Wednesday afternoon. Kind of surprised me with that question. We had to fast forward, but um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, I'll just, again, generically say progress. I, I can't tell you how many boxes need to be checked. Uh, I always think, you know, your gut instinct is always going to be a part of decision-making as well. So all of the above, I mean, you're looking for, progress and to feel good about it and also to you know watch the tape and get a feel for you know a guy if he can take you to that next level <laughs> i understand the question somewhat premature but i, I you're right I, I guess we all work ahead at our own pace but no i do i i i think it's valid in this regard because it helps us get an idea of some of the bullet points that are on uh, Ryan Poles' evaluation checklist. And, and you know, he went on to say, look, like, I want to see the sack total come down. I want to see the interception total come down. He was asked to follow up and said, I want to see him win more games. Right. And so, so there are some very specific things that he's laying out for you that now we can kind of hold up as, okay, these were the benchmarks you laid out in August. Here we are in mid-January. What's the state of affairs? You know, and hopefully, uh, to his point, uh, the gut instinct will take over and, and hopefully the gut instinct will be pretty easy to, to to rely on because it will be undeniable one way or the other. And as Patrick probably is thinking too and working on this at this point, we're looking at the quarterback market across the league. Teams have to prepare for these massive investments because oh, yeah. of what it means to the franchise and what it says about what else you're going to be able to afford. So it was a valid question at the right time. And it might've caught Ryan pulls off guard, but really he shouldn't have been because my sense is they have already had these conversations internally as well, because you have to at this stage. But here's the other part of that conversation. And I've had this conversation with both people inside the league and, and people who cover the league about, this idea that the worst case scenario for the bears is if, if the bottom falls out on Justin Fields at some point during the season, the counter argument is the worst case scenario is that, uh, he, he plays well enough to convince you to keep giving him more time, but not well enough to uh, make you confident that he's the long-term answer. And so that's that's the dangerous middle ground that they could wind up in. Uh, it, it, given what the Bears have and the resources and and the way they've set themselves up, if, if, if he bombs, okay, fine. You flip the page and you go, we have draft capital. We have you know money to spend. We can do a lot of different things to, to help us reboot. That's not ideal, but the worst case scenario would be what you did with Jay Cutler after 2013, which is convince yourself to give them, uh, you know, a seven-year extension. And then, you know, a couple years later uh, with a new regime in town, you're like, well, this didn't quite work out. And you're, you're cutting them loose and you wasted a few years of everyone's time. It's the Daniel Jones model because that's what he did in, with the Giants. He basically was on a prove-it final year of his deal. He They, they would have loved to have committed to him sooner, 
But last year, he kind of responded to that urgency with a playoff run. And so he got the big money. He just waited an extra year to get paid. I think that was after his fourth season. So that would put him on the same timetable. Justin Fields, theoretically, under your scenario, would be next year. So I guess that's one way to look at it. Well, and they'll have to make the decision on on Justin's fifth-year extension after year three, which will come next spring, uh, late winter next spring. And and so that's a big deal. That's a big deal. And and Ryan knows that eyes are going to be trained on that all season long, and his eyes will be the most important eyes watching the whole thing unfold. His eyes also evaluated P.J. Walker, who we talked about, ended up in Cleveland after getting cut in Chicago. He was supposed to be the guy backing up Justin Fields, providing the insurance that uh, he got $2 million guaranteed to do. He stunk in training camp, did not flash in games, and now he's a Cleveland Brown. So Mark Potash, our other buddy from the Sun-Times, asked Ryan Poles about the backup quarterback evaluation and, and what that taught him about the process. Year-to-year thing. Um, you evaluate, you try to put guys in, in a good position to be successful and kind of carry over and, and, and go to the, the next step from what you saw on tape. Um, sometimes that doesn't happen. Um, and also, you know, we talk about not putting a ceiling on players. Uh, Tyson comes in and, and takes it one day at a time and shows consistency. And at the end of the day, you know, you got to make decisions that are best for the, for the football team. It's not about me and what my decision was. When it plays out, it plays out, and that's what it is. You know, I've, I've always felt, and I've actually had conversations with some of my old teammates that, you know, played in the league for a long time, and they, they feel when you kind of fudge stuff, right? Like, if you're off and, and you don't make the right change and everyone kind of sees what is going on on the field, they feel that. So we had to make the best decision that was for us, and that's what we did. Do you, do you consider those episodes kind of learning experiences for you as a GM? Oh, shoot. Everything's a learning experience. Are you kidding me? Like the different uh, players, the different circumstances, uh, where they come from, the process to get them onboarded. Um, yeah, there's a learning lesson in every success and failure. It's, there's, I learn something new every day. Two years into this, though, how much have you learned about being willing to cut ties when something isn't working out instead of trying to give it more time, hoping that it will yield a fit? Yeah. Able just to, like, with, even with the financial penalty, like Leatherwood and PJ. Yeah, it's a delicate balance, for sure. Um, you know, there's some, some uh, commitments that you do have to give it the full spe- like the full time frame to, to make it work. Cause I've seen guys struggle early and then something clicks or, you know, if it's uh, the way they're learning or if it's a resource in the building, whatever it is, I've seen it elevate off of that. Um, but you got to have a good feel for when you kind of reach that limit and all right, I got to move on, take it and, and, and move on. You just hurt the team if you go too long. So um, I think you just kind of have to own and put your ego aside. And- Good answer. That's it. Yeah, and an admission there that they didn't feel like that click was going to come, no matter how much they tried to tinker with things or get a screwdriver out or a wrench or turn this button or whatever else. It just wasn't going to happen with P.J. Walker. I think Ryan has shown a, a very – I guess, refreshing level of, of both confidence and humility with the way he goes about his business and particularly decisions like this. And and so, you know, we're learning about him. You know, he says it's a learning experience, everything he does. We're learning about him with every move he makes, everyone he hits on, everyone he misses on. Um, credit to him for, for having the conviction to say, hey, let's just let's just flip the page on this and, and not uh, force it in a situation where everyone is going to 
be realizing that we're forcing it and all of a sudden you just set yourself back further than you wanted to. Yeah, I asked a question rhetorically the other day about what the difference was between making those kind of decisions uh, uh, and without worried about the money with with Leatherwood and P.J. Walker, which I think are similar types of examples, and the difference between, say, Travis Gibson and Kendall Vildor. I, I, the more I think about it, the, the more I, I understand it. Those, those were – you know, with with Leatherwood and PJ Walker, they were definitely off with the football part of the evaluation, and that's what he's willing to own. Whereas maybe with Travis Gibson, maybe they could have force fit or justified keeping him from a football perspective, but the cost the the, the cost was maybe prohibitive, and there there were finances that factored into that. Whereas I I, I think they are different situations; they're different criteria you use because keeping. Leatherwood and PJ Walker just for the sake of that you paid them right not have been consistent with the way you overall want to build your roster no doubt um you know and again like it just it goes on your loss column and then you have to find a way to turn things into a win the Bears are um fortunate in a lot of ways 